0: Hi, welcome back to another episode of multi site Masters, the podcast that explores the art of managing and growing multi site businesses, especially in the retail and hospitality industries. I'm Lee Sheldon, co-founder of MMU, a training and development consultancy which is dedicated to helping managers to achieve consistent operational excellence, becoming world-class operators as a result. I'll be your host for today's show, during which we're going to be hearing from Andy Ball, a marketing executive with incredibly powerful insights and experience in helping organisations to truly answer the question do you really listen to your customers and do you actually get the most of the customer feedback that you do receive? Andy has accumulated over 30 years of experience in the marketing discipline, initially in fast moving consumer good roles before moving on to developing and implementing marketing and sales initiatives across the leisure and hospitality sectors. He's also a co founder of MMU, providing us and our clients with invaluable insights, but insights which ultimately get turned into real action. So let's talk to Andy. Andy, welcome to today's show. Maybe in 30 seconds or so, give us a bit of a, a, a potted history of your career today.
1: Yeah, hi there Lee, and uh, hi everybody who's listening. Um, Yeah, Andy Bull, my background is uh, broadly as Lee described it, really. Uh, 30 years spent across fast-moving consumer goods. Uh, I sort of cut my teeth on brand management, uh, working for Nestlé Roundtree and then Golden Wonder, uh, which has now become Walker's Crisps, believe it or not, but hey-ho. And then latterly, through leisure and ultimately hospitality, where i spent the bulk of my time, leisure was with uh, the likes of Alden Towers, And uh, various holiday companies like uh, Butlins for example and then ultimately working for Compass Group and uh, Select Service Partner in uh, airport and business and industry uh, corporate hospitality. So yeah through that period gained quite a bit of experience and I'll probably say what qualifies me to talk about this probably what we did with uh, Select Service Partner in terms of uh, a massive segmentation exercise where we really did get right under the skin of who our customers are, what they want, and how to use and measure customer feedback.
0: Fantastic Andy. Well, our focus for today then is going to explore how important it is that we genuinely understand why our customers are satisfied with the service that they're receiving, the products that they're getting from us. How do organizations actually go out to map out the customer touch points that impact upon the experience that customers have? and how you can actually go about getting that feedback, and how difficult or not it can be to get the the kind of information that you require. So let's start off. Why is it so important to understanding why customers are satisfied? We we know that obviously satisfied customers are clearly important, but why do we need to understand specifically what makes them satisfied? Well, I suppose the most important
1: thing about this is that customers have a vote. Uh, They can go elsewhere to get the products and services that you provide. So put simply, understanding them better gives you a much greater opportunity to make sure that you keep them as your loyal customers. Uh, and, And quite often, businesses don't bother to get under the skin of it. And the reality of that is everybody blurs into one homogenous group, and you can ultimately be getting it wrong but not actually see the consequences of not getting it right for quite some time. So companies like Starbucks for example um, you know you just think a coffee bar everybody needs coffee but they spend a lot of time and effort actually looking at the lifetime value of their customers and the importance of that means you can focus your attention on the good customers, those that perhaps visit you more frequently and spend more money, uh, while still providing a great service for everybody so the real importance is lying
0: just there, understanding your customers and getting the most from them. So understanding your customers and getting the most from them. One of the ways I've looked upon this in the past, and I'd really like to get your input on this, is that customers, you know, they come to us because they have a need. You know, for a new shirt, a smartphone, a cup of coffee, a meal, whatever it may be. But what gets them coming back, and coming back hopefully time and time again, uh, with, with enthusiasm, is that we give them what they really want. So the product and services is the need, the want is about the experience that a customer has that whilst they're obtaining that need. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's becoming even more so
1: now. Uh, generationally, the, the millennials, as they're so called, are much more interested in the overall experience, but actually they've got as much in common uh, within their own age group as people of you know, a much older age group, the essence of it is that satisfying the need for a cup of coffee is almost a table state. They They expect you to be able to do that. That's your competence. But how you make them feel is part of the emotional experience, which more and more so, businesses are having to tap into to differentiate themselves from the competition. So actually understanding the want and the need are equally important.
0: That's uh, really fascinating. I, I was recently reading a book by a guy called Lee Cockrell, who was a former, I think, COO at Walt Disney World in Florida, and he was sharing some insights into this. Uh, he thought, or Disney thought, that they really understood what customers wanted from coming to Walt Disney World. And they thought, well, it's good shows, it's exciting rides, and it's fun. They got Gallup to survey 6,000 people and asked the question, what do you expect when you come to Walt Disney World? And as they explored this, they discovered that, yes, Guests wanted that, but actually that was the need, that was the foundation. What they really wanted was to one, make us feel special, two, treat us as individuals, three, show respect to us, and four, be knowledgeable. So it sounds as if what customers want can actually run quite deep. How do you actually go about finding out what those wants are?
1: Yeah, well, that example is absolutely perfect in encapsulating the challenge that businesses face. So at one level, um, you most definitely do need to get some kind of customer feedback. Uh, it's really important that all businesses do that. So the next question is, if you're a small business, how do I get that feedback? And if you're a bigger business, well, what do I do with it when I have it? And that's equally true of a small business too. So you know, the, the problem with this is it sometimes feels like eating an elephant, but you can eat an elephant. You just do it one bite at a time. So it's really about starting in the right place to understand all of this and it's equally open to everybody, sole trader right through to multinationals Uh, and that really is about understanding how you get there. So whether you are a big business or a small business, really understanding your customer begins by talking to them and getting information about them and that leads to a word that um, It's commonly used, sometimes misunderstood, and sometimes recalled from with absolute horror, and that is segmentation. A segmentation is simply a way of grouping your customers into those kind of discernible chunks where each segment has shared characteristics. Now, already before I start to lose people who are not interested in research, don't worry. This can be done very simply. It's about grouping them according to the information that you have, and once you have that, starting to see where you can address those groups differently to make sure that their needs are not only satisfied but you also meet their wants as well so you might just have payroll data that's fantastic how often do people come in can you group this in in terms of the number of people who come in once a week those that come in more than once a week etc etc to do that you probably need to know a little bit about those customers So you might want to actually start collecting data about them, for example, comment cards or things of that nature. Nowadays, it is just so much easier to use that with social media, to even conduct your own surveys through things like Survey Monkey. But the important thing is making sure that once you understand what these groups are, you can then start to work towards
0: delivering against those needs and wants. I've heard you talk in the past, Andy, about customer need states. Is that what we're talking about here? Or is that a slightly different piece? No,
1: um, uh, it, it's just a posh phrase for saying actually these are the things that people do need from both the product and the experience combined. Um, it kind of blends needs and wants together, if you will. Uh, so the table stake, the basics of a coffee shop is yeah, it's got a great taste in coffee It's got to have it in the kinds of varieties that I would expect to find elsewhere It should be delivered to me in a way that is compatible with what I need. You know, is it portable? Can I have it in store? Uh, but then when you start to think about the wants That's the sort of thing that most businesses look at in more detail to help maximize the consumer experience and help the consumer choose your brand, their brand, over anybody else's, that bit, you need to engage with your customer to understand what they want. You can do that very simply just by talking to them. But if you do it against the framework of a segmentation, just simply understanding these groups of people and talking to different people within those groups, the answers that you get can be more reliably aligned to each group which then allows you to make decisions as a business on how you satisfy
0: those needs and wants better. So it sounds like it starts with the segmentation piece. Is it true to say that clearly a business person coming into your hotel or coming into your, your restaurant your coffee shop is going to have a different need, and if they come in at the weekend or they come in for a family birthday, how do you cope with the fact that it's the same person, but they have different needs at different right. times? That's when it starts to get a little bit more complicated
1: in research terms and that's where you really do need to start thinking about engaging somebody who can help you with that a company etc but one kind of way of approaching that is to say look you're the same person but you may have different needs and wants on different occasions so actually once you understand what those needs and wants are you can start to talk to people who have those needs and wants regardless of the fact that they're a business person during the week and a family person at the weekend. It's what are the needs? And once you have those needs and wants grouped together, if, for example, at weekends, the kind of needs and wants are different, let's break that down. In a coffee bar, the needs might still be for a great cup of coffee. But if you're with your family, which might include spouse and children, those needs might be slightly different which could be a need to be able to sit down for definite in a group of four, say, different to when you're operating on your own as a business person or perhaps ones or twos. But the wants, therefore, could be quite different. The wants are radically different in the sense that I want my family to have a great time and the needs of the children and my spouse who are with me could mean that the wants for us as a group are quite different to the wants as myself as just purely a business person during the week. So that starts to get quite complicated and quite tricky. So really what we've got to do is decide before we get there, where do we start from? And the answer I think is broadly true, the same for every business, whether it is a sole trader or a multinational. You need to understand what the experiences are, those touch points are, that every
0: customer has with your business. And this is really where we start to talk about customer journey, I guess, and understanding what those touch points are. It, yes, the customer needs may be different at each touch point. but The touch points are the same for the brand. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, that becomes the foundation of what it is that you're trying to build
1: here in terms of your understanding of the customer. It, it's, it's what is that customer journey? What is that customer journey perhaps for different types of customer so I'm a business person, but on the weekend, I'm actually with my family. Those touch points will be the same, but the way that they are delivered to the customer could be different. So let me kind of just elaborate on that. Imagine that you're going to a coffee bar. It's a new coffee bar. and You've never come across it before. How would you find out about it? Well, the first touch point on that journey might well be the research that you do online uh, to try and find it to find out more about it, to see whether it is appropriate for you and whether it's near to where you are, all those kind of um, table stakes that we spoke about. Uh, Having found that, it's then, how do I get there? When I get there, what do I see at the entrance? What happens to me as I walk over the threshold? How am I greeted? What do I sense? Uh, What is the atmosphere like? How easy is it to navigate to where I want to go and look at product and where I need to be served? What happens to me during the selection and ordering process. How does it work? Who serves me? How am I expected to be treated? How am I actually treated? How do I pay? How do I actually take my product to where I want to sit? And how do I consume the product? How do I feel at the time? Uh, Even to the point where you might need a comfort break, well, actually, toilet's really, really important. All part of the customer experience, and will all have an impact on how you feel then to the point where you actually pack up your stuff and decide to leave. What happens to you on the way out? What do you see? How are you spoken to? How are you engaged, therefore? And when you actually leave, then that, in a sense, is the sign-off. And at the end of it, you will have had an experience over numerous touch points, which are the customer journey. But the impact that each of those touch points have on you uh, can be various, and they can be dramatic and where you have an impact on you as the customer along that journey, the more intense it is uh, and the more uh, radical your reaction to it is emotionally. You can describe that as a moment of truth and the important thing about moments of truth is that each one has an impact on how you feel about the brand. And at the end of it, your brain basically does a quick profit and loss account. And what it says at the end of it is, I've had some really great experiences. I had some really bad ones. uh, Which actually outweighs the other. And it leaves you with a sense of, well, actually, yeah, it wasn't bad. I'd probably go back again. I wasn't wowed. To actually, this was brilliant. I'd go back. I'd even tell my friends. To actually, on balance, this was just so dire. I do not ever want to go back there again. And the important part about all of that is it forms a fantastic foundation for understanding your business before you start asking questions of customers about their experience. It is
0: getting to know that in that kind of way. Okay, so we've got segmenting our customers, understanding who they are, and then beginning to map out this customer journey. I think you referred to it several times there as the moments of truth. If I'm sitting listening to this podcast and I've got a huge marketing team, great. Love the sound of uh, moments of truth. But if I'm an owner operator or a multi-unit manager, can I work out my moments of truth with my team and my units ourselves? Do, do we need a, a big resource to help us to do that? Well, the answer is you absolutely can do it and the resource
1: is you and your team. Um, clearly, you can do this. I had a, um, uh, a go at doing this um, with some airport uh, staff in North America, it was JFK Airport to be precise, and what we did before the shift started was we actually went outside. We stood in the freezing cold, it was a January day, and we talked about everything from the ball game that was on the night before through to the presidential elections, just to completely disassociate our minds from anything to do with the day job. Then what we did was we said, okay guys, you're now passengers, you're checking into flight 547 KLM, and then you're gonna go and look for some food. Turn around with your notepads in a group. Now let's just go for it. And what we did was we actually guided that group of people through their journey, let them discover it for themselves to the point where they approached where the food and beverage was. But importantly, en route, we asked questions of ourselves like how would I know where it is? Where are the signposts? Are they easy to find? What could I do differently? To the point where we turned around and looked at the unit itself. We then went through that process that I described earlier of the threshold, experiencing the service, buying the product, tasting it, and along that, actually critically asking of ourselves, was that what I expected? How impactful was that? How did I feel about it? And creating a customer journey with the moments of truth underneath it. Now, the important point here is that group of people being honest and giving permission to be honest about their own brand were sometimes brutally honest about it, more so perhaps than a customer would be, and perhaps less forgiving. But the great thing about it is that it was an honest take on what a customer on average would experience. And the great thing about that is that provides you the platform to actually think about how you deliver what you do how you might then deliver it better, and more importantly, what you might need to ask your customer when you're not totally sure about how you could do it differently or whether or not the way that you do it is actually ticking all those boxes that you think it should. And that foundation enables you then to engage with purpose to your customer. And if you've done your segmentation, you can then start to get answers back from different groups of people who actually might respond in a slightly different way that enables you to tailor the service and the product that you offer. Going back to the Disney example, yeah, one of the core four things that was really, really important was to make sure that the service felt personalised and that they were treated with respect. Well, the best way of doing that always is to actually map it against the customer journey and the moments of
0: truth. And that, I think, leads beautifully into... One of our mantras at MMU is about operational excellence and in terms of having it consistently delivered. You've got to have it codified. It's got to be written down. It's got to be defined. Because if it's open to interpretation, you'll you'll get people interpreting it very differently and therefore the execution of that will be different. So you're saying, and what I'm hearing is that the moment of truth can act as your blueprint for what the experience, the whole experience from start to finish, should look like and feel like. And I think that's Really important to me that you touched upon that—the emotional side of it isn't just the practical. What do I do? But how do I feel about what's happening to me? Absolutely, absolutely. And it doesn't matter whether you are, off, you know, offering
1: a, a mobile coffee cart with one person serving behind the uh, the cart, down to a, a massive operation like a Starbucks, for example. Where you might have five or six baristas, two people on the till, etc., etc. The principles are exactly the same. And that's why some mobile car operators are incredibly successful, and perhaps others are less so. At the end of the day, they understand the journey, they understand that customer experience,
0: who their customers are, and how to satisfy them. One other issue I'd like to talk about, Andy, is feedback. And I'm certainly coming across uh, companies who are saying, mystery Customer, Mystery Diner drop that, that's dead now, let's go with the customer feedback, let's give them a receipt which talks about giving us feedback, let's encourage them maybe through terminal toppers or other forms of point of sale to really highlight, give us your feedback. So you've got guests, customers giving you feedback as opposed to a customer coming in or someone coming in targeted to go through the experience. Is that a trend that you're seeing? And secondly, if I may ask two questions, is that the right trend? Hmm. It's an excellent question and I think it, it really depends on
1: how well your business executes in operational terms. Um, things like mystery customer programs are very, very good at getting feedback from somebody who is paid to go in and measure the service uh, and the experience according to a set of rules that it is that business has actually come up with. A questionnaire for a mystery customer is actually quite a formal thing. And what it's doing effectively is auditing the experience, but from an operational point of view. So I'll give you an example. Um, There was a company operating in railway stations who had a brand standard for delivering a cappuccino. And the key need for everybody who was on that station during rush hour was to be served quickly but the want was to go away with a great tasting cup of coffee that was made just for them. The want ended up being sacrificed for the need, and what happened was coffee was being made in less than an optimal time to deliver a great bean-to-cup coffee in the attempt to satisfy what was perceived to be an operational requirement of really fast speed of service. But the upshot of it was that the customer didn't have their want fulfilled because they were processed really, really quickly and quite often got burnt milk in their coffee because it wasn't made in the time available. Now, when you think about it in those terms, the mystery customer data was telling us uh, when we looked at that kind of data, well, that's fantastic, you're meeting the brand standard. But what it didn't tell us was the reasons why scores were being marked down. For example, Net Promoter Score, uh, which we can talk about in a bit more detail later. overall customer satisfaction was being held back and nobody could understand why until you start to probe in a bit more detail and the way that you probe in a bit more detail is to actually get customer feedback directly or you can actually ask some supplementaries in your mystery customer questionnaire but at the end of the day mystery customer measures operational standards and customer feedback gives you that raw customer emotion straight back whether it's through social media through comment cards or whatever as to how they felt about that experience and you can actually get under the skin of both by asking the right question but you're much more likely to get that heads up as to my coffee tastes bad from that sort of spontaneous customer feedback than you are a mystery customer questionnaire are the two substitutes for each other My argument will be no, actually, you need to do regular customer feedback questionnaires, which I would suggest you do through the Mystery Customer Programme, because that keeps operators honest. You need some way of actually measuring how well service is being delivered. And if you can afford to do it through that kind of a Mystery Customer Programme, that's fantastic. If you can't afford to do that, then you just need to be a bit more clever about how you get that kind of feedback from your social media or spontaneous customer feedback. And there are various ways you can do that. You can actually get people to volunteer their email addresses. You can start to probe issues selectively to get to the reasons why you might be getting poorer satisfaction scores. So really what we're saying is having the data is the first part of the uh, the challenge, getting that and making sure you know from whence the data comes, your people, your segmentation. But then it's about making sure that you look at it and look at it every which way you can to understand the issues and then what the potential solutions might
0: be. Okay, Andy, this has been really, really fascinating. Let's just do a bit of a recap of where we have got to in this first part of our interview with you. So in today's episode, we've really, I think, begun to explore why every brand should clearly want to create raving fans of their business. But you've really touched upon how you do that. I think understanding your customers, it starts with that customer segmentation piece. Appreciating that the needs of a customer, the very practical, what they've come to you for, can be very different to the wants, which is much more about the emotional experience. You've talked to us about mapping out the customer journey, those touch points where customers come into contact with your brand, whether online in advance or physically in the restaurant or store or the pub, etc. And how different approaches to mystery shopper and or customer feedback can help really give you insightful information that will improve your performance. In our next episode, we're going to explore this in more detail and really understand how customer feedback can drive operational improvements and therefore performance improvements as well. And you'll show us with proven data how engaging with your customers more effectively at every stage of the customer journey will improve performance. We hope you have enjoyed our episode today. Andy, in case people do want to get in contact with you, your details will be in the show notes for today's episode, but how else can they contact you?
1: Yeah. Um... Obviously, as a co-founder of uh, Mastering Multi-Units, you can get hold of me via uh, the MMU contact details. Um, or if you just want to talk to me one-on-one directly, then by all means, uh, give me a call uh, on 07730 420 696. Or alternatively, try me at my email address, which is andy.bull, B-U-L-L, at salient-marketing.com.
0: Great. Look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, Lee. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Multisite Masters. As ever, the contact details of our guest speaker can be found on the show notes where you found this podcast. That will be on iTunes, SoundCloud, or of course, our website, multisitemasters.co.uk. We look forward to seeing you next time on the next episode of Multisite Masters.